who's listening to us out there. Uh, welcome to the first Veterinary Diversity podcast that, um, uh, that we're recording. So I'm, my name is Kate. I'm a veterinarian. I own a veterinary practice in the south coast of New South Wales. Um, uh, I co-own that with my wife. Um, and I am a trans woman. And I'm co-hosting this podcast with... Hello, I'm Cam Raw. I am a Palawar man, uh, specifically a Lilaquani man from about as far south as you can go in Tassie. I am also a vet. Um, I've been practising since 2013 and uh, now undertaking for my sins a PhD. Awesome. Thanks for that, Cam. Um, I'd just like to acknowledge I am living and working on Wambunja, um, the land of the Wambunja people in your nation in New South Wales. Uh, and I'd just like to acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging um, of all of our Aboriginal peoples across Australia. Um, uh, and it's an absolute... Uh, I met Cam a little while ago, sort of, uh, and... Um, I think we sort of uh, we got along pretty well pretty quickly, I think, didn't we, Cam? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, and I, I'd sort of, uh, it's one of those things where I was just like, oh, cool, like sort of, uh, yeah, like sort of um, getting to know each other and stuff like that. So thought we'd start off with uh, what have you been up to lately? So the last time I saw you, Cam, was Flint's Walk in Canberra. Yeah, well, um, it was great to get to see you in person. I feel like we're pretty fortunate to get to see yeah. anybody in person these days, um, particularly me being based in Melbourne. So um, it was it was a really wonderful day, a little bit of a chilly day. I think it was minus yeah. four in in Canberra that day. Um, but great turnout. A lot of a lot of people um, at the our very first Canberra Flynn's walk. Um, so where we've thank thankfully been able to have a couple of walks this year. Uh, we had our Melbourne one and the Canberra one. Um, hoping to have some potentially in Sydney, maybe Brisbane later in the year. Um, obviously, that's it's very subject to a lot of things at the moment, um, as everybody knows. But um, so that's yeah. But one of the things that I've been up to um a lot of yeah phd work for me a lot of time in the lab um, what's your phd um, okay so my phd um i guess i wanted to do something to benefit indigenous people um yeah. and also just to i guess pursue pursue some scientific questions like there's a lot of the work that i've done in remote indigenous communities has been really rewarding and I love doing it. I still still do a lot of it, a lot of desexing clinics, um, parasite treatments, yeah. general checkups, yeah. uh, vaccinations, yeah. things like that. Um, but I guess there are a lot of lingering issues up there, both in animal and human health that I felt have been overlooked um, that just need looking into. A lot of things that um, 
that we don't necessarily see in the rest of Australia. Um, so things like in human health, things like rheumatic heart disease that just yeah. occurs everywhere. So these are the vegetative um, lesions on heart valves um, that really is exceedingly rare in the rest of Australia, um, but is seen quite commonly in remote Indigenous communities um, because of inadequately treated or just completely untreated um, sore throats, um, yeah. cuts on skin, yeah. things like that, things that are very simple to treat but go untreated and become quite serious. Um, and so things like that. So something that, that interested me was the parasitic infections that can, can occur and those zoonotic ones that can spread between animals and people. So what I'm specifically looking at are hookworm and threadworm infections in dogs in remote Indigenous communities uh, and how they may potentially spread into the, the people of those communities. Um, so seeing to what extent it's, a, it's an issue and also trying a couple of different treatments to hopefully make things a little bit better in that respect. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so good. That's like it's yeah. I I think that I've only done I've done one uh, one trip with Canberra Mob sort of a, a while mm -hmm. ago. Sort of uh, and there's a number of um, my understanding is there's a number of organisations. Most of them are run by Emric. I think is sort of mm. a, um, uh, but I think Canberra Mob does a does do a program. Um, and I certainly mm. sort of uh, you know having been involved with that, it's certainly was an amazing like such an amazing experience like that that sort of mm. that country and that land was just unbelievable but probably even better i think was that like you say that in, incredible benefit that you can have to the community mm. um uh, sort of uh, and I, I know from talking to the guys who run canberra mob that they've had you know like obviously apart from the animals living longer and sort of stuff like that by treating um by treating the dogs for the dogs in particular for parasites and um, they've had much lower rates of scabies infections in kids and sort of uh, yeah. some type of thing which is like it was a massive deal like they sort of uh, they went from some ridiculous incidents down to almost not not happening um, yeah absolutely it's um it's something that's a little bit particularly with the scabies, it's something where the jury's still a little bit out as to how contagious it is between dogs and people. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think, you know, there's, there are, when there's, you know, lots of, lots of people in these communities, there's unfortunately overcrowding in, in houses is, is a big issue. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of issues with, uh, in some communities, there's damage from the weather. That means that uh, houses are unlivable. So there's several families living in a house. Um, that obviously is a, a big factor in the spread of disease, but also there's quite a few dogs there too. Um, and sometimes that's just as a consequence of people not having access to vet care to basically have the number of dogs that they would like to have. But some people just like to have a few dogs um, and so I think those those sort of factors together, if there's quite a few dogs around that have scabies, then there's 
opportunity for spread and whether or not those mites go on to actually reproduce on people, um, which is the contentious thing at the moment, I think is a bit of a moot point because it's still, I think it's still causing that irritation. Um, And then that irritation can go on to breakages in the skin and skin infections and then on to rheumatic heart disease. So it can go from this tiny thing in a dog onto a life-threatening thing in a a person so So it's it's like a whole it's a one health microcosm almost isn't it absolutely (laughs) yeah um, yeah and and like the coin whipworm would be like the same like sort of Mm. like a whole one health microcosm sort of happening there yeah so yeah yeah that's that sounds pretty sort of kind of amazing so lots of research for sure lots of sort of reading books on um uh, yep absolutely uh, i'd imagine have you been able to get out at all like a little bit um there's the the sort of volunteer side of things that we do every at least every july but several times throughout the year um we haven't been able to do at all last year we couldn't get up to arnhem land at all for any of those trips unfortunately um and this year's trip has been the july trip's been postponed again we're really hoping um september uh but who knows? Um, it was sort of a bit spoiled by one of our lockdowns first, and then unbelievably spoiled by Darwin's lockdown the second <laughs> time, and we had to postpone. Um, I never thought that that would be the thing that would be um, would be stopping us. You know, we've been the problem child down in in Melbourne for you know <laughs> since the start of COVID. Um, it was you know I'm just glad that that things didn't get any worse up there um and certainly that things didn't didn't spread into Arnhem Land um that they were able to you know they did the right thing they kept their community safe and um locked down very hard which meant no entry for us and that's completely understandable um we you know as always the community safety is our priority so um as much as we like to get up there we have to do the right thing by the by the community so um i suspect we'll be busy when we can get up there but um you know it's always busy and we enjoy doing it so it's um it's a good time yeah cool no totally i sort of think like we got trashed a little bit on the sort of lockdown from um like our selfish quite selfish plans of holidays (laughs) got sort of uh, got ruined by um, New South Wales just sort of becoming the problem child. We're the problem child now. Like sort of, uh, I think you can say, um, Victoria, it's like, you know, like the golden child. It's like, oh, we've got to do what Victoria does. <laughs> um, uh, so New South Wales is now the problem child. Oh, you don't lock down properly, which we probably didn't. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah but, uh, oh, like it's just like, yeah. So um, we were supposed to go to the Northern Territory for a holiday trip and then just, yeah. Yeah, so, but we were very lucky, to be honest. Like, we actually got out, like, we were just talking just before we started this, how we've Mm. not, because in, we've sort of, we're, uh, we're down the south coast of New South Wales, some uh, town called Batemans Bay, Um, and um, uh, so we were actually able to travel by car through most of far west New South Wales, which was an amazing experience. Mm. Um, uh, So out through parks and Cobar and Broken Hill and um, down to cool. Wentworth, sort of skirting the Victorian border. We drove along the north. Of, <laughs> <laughs> the, Just the, had a cheeky look. 
cheeky little look across the river. Well, I think we saw that the the Wentworth is the meaning of the Darling and the Murray, and you sort of like you could just mm. it was like whoa, sort of uh, Tara almost Tara had to turn around once and sort of because she was like, hang on, this road actually takes me to Victoria. I don't have a choice. Hang on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> slamming on the brakes. And... <laughs> yeah. Just about it was. It was just about. It. So, um, yeah, so it was sort of like. Uh, yeah, but we're, we're, we're very, very lucky there. I must admit, like, sort of, we're so lucky and really lucky to have a break. Uh, mm. Got sort of, uh, to say that. And, um, I mean, sort of uh, going back to Flint's walk and, and, I, and I think that sort of the, um, it's such a, and, and if any listeners don't know, then sort of, uh, although if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure that you probably do, um, uh, Flynn's Walk is a, um, uh, a sort of a charity sort of uh, focused on veterinary uh, mental health and suicide um, uh, and sort of uh, and really looking at um, uh, addressing that and, and sort of uh, I'm working mm-hmm. to deal with it because it's a it's a big issue like it's a huge a massive issue um, uh, you know and, yeah. and sort of uh, a really challenging one um, uh, I think it's a the the walk was amazing like there were so many people there it was sort of yeah that was so good yeah like and, and we were, for our first time we were we were really um, really pleased with that um, and you know everybody who volunteered to to help out um, on the day as well just getting things together and um, you know having some coffee there and donuts and stuff um, yeah. just made yeah. it a really good time to to get together and just have these conversations that need to be had mm. so was, it was awesome it was a, just a great debrief and a lot of fun and I, and I think um yeah, if there's a Flint's walk in your city, sort of, uh, or anywhere near you, and you can get to it in the near future, go. And sort of, if you're listening and sort of, and you're a veterinarian, like it's sort of, it was really, really good and super positive and um, really nice, and really nice to see the support from the public as well, like sort of, mm. you know, clients and and whatnot. Lots of lots of clients coming out um, uh, to really support vets and stuff. So uh, I thought that was. Uh, super amazing. I think we should we should get um, we should get someone on from uh, like sort of uh, you've got a fair bit of involvement with Flynn's Walk by the sounds of things. There, I do, yeah. So um, I'm part of the sort of organising committee um, of Flynn's Walk. I was fortunate to go to vet school with Flynn. Um, wow. He was actually my first friend at uh, at vet school. Um, wow, we That's... sort of met on the very first day of our animal handling course. Um, he sat down next to me, introduced himself, and we just, yeah, got yeah. on just like that. Um, and that was just his way. He was so incredibly warm and um, just, you know, there's a saying, if you, if you want to be interesting, be interested. And yeah. that is something that he lived. He was interested in everybody. Um, he wanted to know about them. Um, he wanted to know their story um, and he was, yeah, just keen to, to listen to you. Um, and he, yeah, was just such a, such an incredibly kind person. And so being part of an organization like Flynn's Walk um, really helps me and, and many others who are involved too, I think, feel closer to him in that way. He did a lot of charity work 
in his life. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's a, a really great way to, to remember him. Yeah, I, it's sort of, that sounds amazing, but also at the same time, I would sort of uh, think kind of challenging and sort of, uh, is it is it something where you do sort of uh, like when you go on the Flynn's Walk, is it something where you try and focus very much on celebrating his life and what he sort mm. of, uh, you know, and the work that he did uh, sort of uh, um, uh, as opposed to like, yeah, like that's a challenge, isn't it? Like sort of how do you, you know, sort of. Yeah, um, it's it's a time where a lot of us from our year group who knew Flynn, um, we all come together. There's a, a huge yeah. group of us who, who come together and walk together, um, go out for breakfast beforehand um, and just reconnecting with a lot of people that maybe it's hard to, you know, people are buying practices, having kids. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where people put it in their calendar and they come along and yeah. you it's no matter what you come along and and you get to see everybody so um it's it's a really good time um you know we all wish that we could have more opportunities like that to reconnect with those that we that we love um and it's a good time to just check in with everyone too that's you know the message that we're trying to spread that that these conversations need to be had and if you're having a hard time for whatever reason um that there will be those that are there to support you that there are professionals there to help as well yeah. um there are a lot of support mechanisms out there and it is okay to to reach out definitely yeah like sort of see and so we should sort of i, I feel like we should definitely um uh, sort of uh, look i bookend this but sort of uh, say if you are if anyone listening um, is feeling having difficulties or, or having concerns, uh, please contact. Um, uh, there's Lifeline, Beyond Blue, um, uh, and a number of other organisations. Please reach out. Uh, reach out to someone. Um, uh, sort of uh, that's really important. And and I think it's sort of uh, back to sort of uh, what we've been up to. I, I like I must admit, and sort of and bouncing off that. I've actually recently been seeing a psychologist, um, uh, which um, which has been a bit of a first for me. Um, mm. Not going to lie, um, uh, I've uh, never seen a psychologist before. And in fact, my mother was a nurse and hated psychologists. Um, <laughs> uh, sort of, uh, and I think there's a culture in Australia of very much of we sort of seeing a psychologist is seen as weak and it's sort of, uh, it's, it's definitely not something that um, it's getting, it's getting better, but sort of certainly when mm. I was growing up, like sort of, you know, only people who had mental health diseases sort of uh, conditions would actually see a psychologist. Um, so I actually sort of, uh, I started, I started seeing a psychologist to um, help me deal with, I was, um, uh, having a lot of anxiety associated with actually getting some medical tests. Um, so because I have a, a chronic liver condition um, and there's like a 30% lifetime chance of getting cancer, a biliary okay. sort of carcinoma, um, mm -hmm. which as most people listening will know, biliary carcinoma is kind of like, well, you're fucked now. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and um 
so I had a lot of anxiety around getting screening tests done, like sort of because mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know if I want to know about, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Sort of, uh, yeah. I think that was, it was certainly negatively impacting my mental health and probably my physical health as well. Um, yeah. So, um, and I can totally, you mentioned before, Camp, like sort of, sort of reach out and see someone and I would, absolutely totally and utterly thoroughly recommend sort of for reaching out to uh, mental health services um yeah. anyone um uh, you know I, I think it's uh, you know even even though i started seeing the psychologist to assist me with sort of you know getting the tool sets to actually deal with those concepts of uh, of receiving a positive or a you know a positive scan or something like that um it's kind of developed and into so much more and, and I think allows you time to actually really self-reflect on yourself and sort of uh, and um, give you some ways and tool sets to actually to actually do that so um, yeah. yeah I've always been a big Definitely. advocate for seeing psychologists and never done it myself which yeah. is like really hypocritical I'll, I'll put my hand up for that one but um yeah totally um, yeah it's been something new for me too recently um and i've only started seeing one oh in the last couple of months um and something that was recommended to me by a, a friend was to it's like with any sort of relationship really some just don't work that well yeah it did take me a couple of times to find somebody that I actually did feel like I gelled with I guess that I could um not that there was any lack of trust or anything like that I just felt like our conversations didn't flow they maybe weren't getting to the things that that I felt need to be got to um but third time was the charm um and so yeah it's been really great to to find somebody that that i feel really comfortable speaking to um so that's been yeah really really good and i come out of the sessions feeling good which is nice totally and i I sort of absolutely echo that as well like so many times uh, i sort of see people um uh, and they sort of go to they go to a psychologist and sort of for a or a mental health sort of professional and so like and i have a either a bad experience or it just doesn't get them to where they need to be and they sort of they kind of give up it's like you're completely right like you you sort of uh, most of the people that i know who've actually got a really good and successful sort of uh, um, relationship going on with their psychologist, uh, the mental health professional, have been to two, three, four, sometimes even five and six, mm. like sort of uh, mm. just trying to find the right one. Um, so definitely super encourage that um, uh, as well. So, um, so yeah, um, uh, so didn't do anything for... Didn't do anything for Pride Month because I'm just a really bad LGBT person that sort of fit. Sort of you stuff. are not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but sort of, I 
pride month I find kind of problematic, to be honest. It's kind of like, it's sort of, particularly in Australia, it's in winter. It's just, it's cold and it's miserable. You don't want to yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, it's a bit harder, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's kind of crappy, um, uh, to be honest. And, you know, lockdown really trashed a lot of the stuff that sort of uh, that happens, to be honest, around pride mm. month. And so, um, uh, so, did a little bit of online promo sort of, uh, you know, Facebook awareness and that sort of type of thing. Yep. Um, uh, actually, I'd, I'd love to talk, I'd love to ask you a question. Did you do anything for, because No Duck Week was not that long ago, mm. and I'm, I'm going to say really bad here, I can't remember the exact dates of No Duck Week. Um, we need No Duck Month, so at least I can just have a whole month. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've always got a few things to say on that front. That uh, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure it's it's you probably have similar feelings about um, I guess the the commercialization that can kind of come along with these sorts of weeks or months. Oh yeah, where yeah. everyone's very quick to jump on the bandwagon for that time. Yep, and kind of just forget the rest of the year. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> isn't it? Like it's not totally agree. Like it's really mm. hard, and I kind of that was kind of where I was actually going because I, mm. I kind of find and, and also find like there's a lot of obligation placed on sort of for, like in Pride Month LGBT people, and I would imagine for um, uh, for Aboriginal people like in NADOC Week, like mm. you've got to be like the perfect shiny version don't you like you've sort of yeah you've got to be the example and like and there's this massive sort of well for me like there's like this um undercurrent of expectation and and sometimes it's mm. it can be really tough to deal with because sometimes you just want yeah. to sit there and sort of scream and go but this is shit like this yeah. is really horrible um and crap and and sort of uh, yeah like and sort of and there's these companies that are just rainbow washing and blackwashing themselves, and and yep. you know, and you're sort of like, oh, really? Sort of, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm sort of gathering that's the same for you on NATO Week. Definitely, definitely. It's um, NATO Week. I I think I enjoy more. I guess I feel it's more of a you know, it's a celebration, um, and it's kind of more for us we we celebrate each other we talk about amazing things indigenous people are doing and mm. have done the one that's always kind of harder for me is reconciliation week um okay, yeah. yeah we often get called on to do the work and to yeah. present at things or be part of something and uh, i don't know i feel like reconciliate you know the 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 active part of reconciliation kind of isn't on us. No, it shouldn't be. Like, I mean, yeah, like you've done nothing wrong. Like Aboriginal yeah. people have done nothing wrong. Like sort of <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. not, this is not a two-way street, this one. Like sort mm. of mm. But, um uh, we sort of like as white people, we need to sort of put our hand up and you go. Yeah, we kind of screwed that one up. Like we need to sort of, uh, we need to be asking for forgiveness and sort of, uh, and you know, and saying sorry and, and sort of, uh, 
you know, and, and if there's some parts of the Aboriginal community that just don't feel that they're ready to sort of to accept and forgive, um, mm. uh, then that's understandable as well. And we, we have to respect yeah. that. Like sort of we've totally got to respect that. It's, yeah, like it, it's, it's a, it's a um, yeah, <laughs> very challenging <laughs> one, isn't it? I'm sure we'll sort of, uh, I'm sure much like sort of, uh, much like Fenry suicide, I'm sure we'll keep on going back and reflecting on stuff like that sort of uh, yeah. over, the, uh, over the time with the, with the podcast because it's, uh, mm. um, it's a big thing. You got anything planned? Sort of what's your plans for the next sort of month or so? Oh, a lot of lab work still to do. Mm. Um, so I am doing a lot of fecal floats at the moment, which, um, as anyone listening could imagine is pretty fun. So (laughs) cracking through them, uh, I've got several, well, several hundred in my, uh, in my samples and then doing some PCRs beyond that to look for DNA of the hookworms and threadworms. Um, so okay, let's go veterinary. Hang on. Are you mm, doing mm. like are you doing biomans? Are you doing like Wisconsin sort of centrifuge or what's the just a um so normally it's it's a little bit tricky with the hookworms and the threadworms because hookworms you just do a float looking for the eggs, but with yeah. the threadworms there's actually larvae in there. So normally you would do a biomans. Yeah. Um, but the way that I have, because they're coming from either Arnhem Land or the Torres Strait, um, I, and I'm, because I'm doing the, the DNA based testing on them, I do have to put them in preserving fluid, which means that Bayamans won't work because you rely on the larvae from, to squirm out and get down into your collecting tube. Um, so basically what I'm doing is just looking for the eggs. So just doing a, a standard uh, fecal flotation with either sodium nitrate solution or just even um, a lot of the time I'm using just uh, saturated table salt and uh, sugar solution. Oh, so it's all pretty, pretty basic stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, going through counting the numbers of eggs. Um, so I'm doing that before and after the, the dogs have been treated. So then I can kind of see how effective the treatment is, both, yeah. both in terms of just completely eliminating the infection, but failing that to see whether it can just reduce the number of, um, number of eggs as sort of a proxy to how many adult worms are in the gut. Yeah, doing that, yeah, first off, and then looking um, because all hookworm eggs look the same, that's where I need to be doing the PCR to actually differentiate the different species because um, there are some some, uh, hookworm species, and this is where I'm getting exceptionally nerdy. Um, like Ancelostoma canina. No, 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 I love the nerdiness. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Ancelostoma canina is mostly in dogs can cause uh, disease in humans rarely sometimes it can yeah. it can work its way into the gut um, but not not causing huge issues yeah. but then there's um, other species like Ancelostoma solanicum which actually is yeah. the second most important hookworm in humans in the Asia Pacific region so that's the one that that has been found in Australia um, particularly in far north Queensland, and is of concern if it's getting into people, um, can cause pretty severe yeah. disease, um, along with the, the threadworm. Okay, and dogs are a reservoir for the ankylostomum. Mm. 
Yeah. Wow. That's sort of, uh, I'm loving the nerdiness. See, people, <laughs> if, if you're listening, you can actually learn veterinary stuff on here as well. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that when I graduated. It's a real mixed bag. Oh, exactly. <laughs> when I graduated, I reckon I did no fecal flows. Like just about none <laughs> in companion animal practice. It's just like. Well, you know, you're always welcome down here, Kate, if you, if you <laughs> want to go into the lab and do some. <laughs> look, I, sort of, uh, I, look, I must admit, we did sort of uh, we did 12 months of just a um uh like a um uh, exotic species sort of work at a local so mm. um a lot of fecal floating there like yep. sort of, yep. uh, you know and it's a it's a herd health thing like you sort of mm. uh, it, it's um uh, and it's very much um because in companion animal practice we mostly are dealing with individual animal health rather than herd mm. health like it's sort of you Kind of don't do it as much. Like, interestingly, I've started doing it a lot more in private practice. Like we've, yep. uh, we, we actually um, particularly, uh, we'll mostly fecal float most diarrheas now. Um, uh, right. sort of, cool. uh, and um, uh, usually looking for coccidia, um, mm. uh, in, particularly in younger animals sort of thing, like occasionally mm. in older ones when we get sort of um, weather outbreaks. But um, every so often we sort of, uh, we pick up a worm egg um, uh, mm -hmm. you know, which is some, um, uh, which is like, oh, okay. Um, probably doesn't mean anything because it's like one egg. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. um, uh, so, but yeah, no, that's sort of, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really, I, I actually think it's past, like, it's quite interesting. I actually sort of, uh, I love it. I was like, as you were talking about like the hookworm and she was, you know, you were going different species, I was going Ankylostoma, Caninum, but I've got no idea about any others. Wouldn't have obvious, but, um, but yeah, so, and so I must be, uh, we're, our plans, oh, our plans for the next sort of month. Our plans for the next sort of uh, next few months are a little bit sort of thrown, like obviously with mm. COVID lockdowns, and this is probably applies to almost everyone, uh, certainly yourself, Cam, where you're in sort of uh, <clears throat> in a bit of a hard lockdown down there. Yeah. Um, uh, it's um, you kind of can't do anything, can you? It's like it's a, it's a really tough one because um, uh, mm. all those things and, you know, AVA events being postponed left, right and centre and so it's hard to sort of catch up and, uh, and whatnot. So um, the next month for us is probably going to consist of actually just probably just working in the private sort of our private clinic mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and probably just doing a bit of gardening actually. Um, okay. Yeah, that sounds nice. Gardening, sort of. Uh, it's uh, sort of uh, probably a chance to pick up another zoonosis, some um, ringworm or something. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, like sort of just doing work around our place because we got burnt out in the bushfires and sort of mm -hmm. uh, had a lot of damage from there, and still haven't quite sort of still hadn't really quite got around to doing anything about it. So yeah. um, uh, so, but. We've got a couple of things coming up. Hopefully, um, we'll probably do a Zoom uh, hookup for a um, uh, where at Purple Day is March yeah. or no August August twenty seventh. I think I can. I'm hopeless with dates. <laughs> um, oh, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so we'll probably do something for where at Purple Day. Um, uh, but our plans for this podcast, I, I sort of, uh, I kind of did. The idea of the podcast, I think, sort of was 
well, my idea for it, my idea, it's all about me. Um, it's sort of, um, my idea was that we could sort of uh, just have a chat, see what's happening, what's going on, sort of uh, obviously, like we said, bugger all because of lockdown. Um, mm. uh, but um, start sort of uh, having a chat and see if we can get some guests on to have a chat about uh, diversity in the veterinary profession um, because if listeners don't know, um, uh, sort of uh, certainly as of um, 2020 still, I think the veterinary profession is the still the least diverse profession certainly in the US um, and probably the world um, when it comes down to it. But we're starting to have these conversations. We are starting to talk about it and we're starting to um, starting to acknowledge and, and talk about things like um, LGBT diversity, cultural diversity, race and ethnic diversity, and also things like religious diversity, neurodiversity and, and physical diversity um, uh, in our profession, which I, which I think is an awesome thing. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So... Thoughts on sort of, uh, I was thinking if we could convince Dan Shaw up at uh, UQ to um, uh, yeah. to do an interview. I reckon that'd be awesome. Because um, uh, absolutely, because um, you you know you know Dan a little bit, sort of. Uh, I do. Yeah, I've had some. Um, I, I've had some brief, brief, all too brief chats with with Dan um, about mostly remote community work. Um, so I did an interview with him for some research he was conducting um, and we also had uh, a workshop up at UQ. Uh, gee, when would it have been? Start of 2020, probably just before yeah. all of the COVID stuff happened, I think. Yeah. Um, it was sort of at the tail end of the vet ed conference that they had up there for the week. Um and I was fortunate to go up there and, and have a little bit to do with the, the workshop up there, just gathering some, some vets who are interested in remote Indigenous community work, um, talking about how we do it, um, different techniques of doing things um, and, yeah, the different different communities, different um, yeah. ways of, yeah. of working, um, which was a really cool thing to be involved with. So um, very, very keen to, to speak to Dan again, yeah. Yeah, I reckon sort of because uh, he's um, he's working with, I think he's working with trying to boost that also uh, Indigenous access and entry into veterinary programs as well uh, up at UQ, that sort of UQ have been doing some really great work there um, mm. as far as that goes. I mean, sort of uh, some of the other universities may be doing some work on that, like to be honest, and I just don't know. Um, but we can always approach them and sort of speak to them and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, if you ask me, I, I'd like every veterinary faculty in the country to have a diversity and inclusion officer um, uh, who was paid, um, mm. not just sort of mm. not just some poor lackey who's sort of, you know, is trying to do about 20 different other jobs and sort of uh, yeah. and, and like, you're the diversity and inclusion advocate now. It's like, really? Like sort of... Um, um, uh, it just puts it again. It's like another load, isn't it, on sort of on someone who's in a diverse community, um, uh, mm. without them getting any real sort of benefit or reward. So, um, so yeah. So, but yeah, I had some other thoughts. It's sort of uh, I know. Um, um, have you met Alex? Um, 
uh, Alex Harrison, the uh, vet, he's uh, in South Australia. He's quite profoundly deaf. Um, I haven't not. No. No, um, I think maybe have oh, interacted on through Facebook, through a group yeah. potentially, but um, yeah. haven't yeah. had the pleasure yet. Super lovely guy. Such a sweet guy. So nice. Face-to-face -face interactions and verbal interactions are more challenging for him, obviously, sort mm -hmm. of uh, mm -hmm. than um, uh, than uh, online interactions. But um, we can work through that. We can work through that and deal with that. Um, uh, yeah, and then sort of maybe even if people sort of want to email, we can put sort of. Uh, I'm happy to put my email um, in the notes on sort of uh, on this um, podcast recording. And if anyone wants to email a suggestions on who they might like to hear, um, or even questions on topics they might want to talk about, um, uh, might yeah. want to talk about, um, you know, sort of. Uh, because, I mean, we're sort of sitting here going, yeah, let's chat about it and sort of uh, let's chat about veterinary diversity and then sort of uh, we're probably sort of like, you know, we've got all these frustrations and whatnot, but we probably don't. There's going to be people out there going, oh, how do I sort of, uh, you know, my sort of new colleague is non-binary. How am I supposed to sort of uh, talk to them about that and sort of uh, and stuff like that? Or I think sort of if anyone wants to... Um, ask a question or suggest a topic or a guest that we might like to speak to, then please send us an email and um, we can sort of uh, look at that. Um, but um, yeah, so um, uh, I think sort of uh, that was as far as I got for planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, anything that can you know, just talking about diversity in in any part of life. Obviously, we need to the the industry that we're in needs to reflect the amazing diversity of of life. Just because we need that, but also because it you know it makes sense in in so many ways. Particularly with my experience um, with Indigenous culture, having the understanding. Um, you know, not just not just my own, but working with other animal management workers in remote communities, mm. having the understanding of things like the cultural significance of dogs and things like that that feeds into veterinary practice. Mm. Um, that, that diversity would be, that would be is cool. critical. Yeah, that would be such a good topic. Like sort of, uh, yeah, like sort of really um uh, have a talk about that like the cultural significance yeah. of uh of of dogs sort of uh and pets yeah sort of uh and um, we could talk about it you know there's so many there's uh cultures all around the world that where um the standing of dogs is or many other animals is is so important um yeah. and so so different and so a, you know a dog can mean so many different things to, to so many people and not necessarily just their their background, but obviously, you know, for those people um, who are, who have disabilities, obviously, mm. a dog can can represent a uh, you know a, a co-worker, a, a, yeah. a partner in everyday life, um, much more than just the the companions that so many of us are, are used to. So, um, I think it it really feeds into our practice as vets too. Um, yeah, the diversity of experience that that people have in life. 
Yeah, like that's sort of, uh, it's so true, isn't it? Like, in, like you say, like dogs have sort of uh, pets generally, sort of uh, dogs are probably the most universal pet out there, sort of realistically, but um, uh, have, yeah, such a, such an interaction with our life as humans that sort of, mm. that, um, you know, to talk about veterinary medicine without talking about how we see animals as a diverse community is just yeah like it's 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 ridiculous like to not consider that like sort of to just yeah. consider them like sort of um uh, you know carriers of disease or something that we've got a cure like it's sort of um absolutely yeah um, we can't we can't be detached and cold and clinical um <clears throat> as as easy as it would sometimes make things oh. to to be like that yeah. but um that's you know it takes away from the beauty of it i think um all those other those other factors that that come into it yeah so i mean i'm thinking of uh heading off now and going mm -hmm. to cook some dinner um uh, sounds good i've got lamb tikka masala sort of for cooking yum right now i know it's actually smelling amazing which is really bad i've got the door open to where, where i'm in the office doing this and like and this smell just wafting through and i'm like oh concentrate podcast concentrate <laughs> so, but, um, uh, i think definitely we will uh organize um, uh, it'd be good to see if we could organise an interview, maybe with Dan or something for our next one. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Can, uh, see uh, what availability he's got. He's, he's locked down for another couple of weeks, isn't he? Or oh, no, he's out of lockdown now. But, um, yeah, well, it's hard to keep track of everyone. Track, track, isn't he's it? probably going yeah. to be locked down again. So, um, yeah. so might sort of, uh, we might be able to catch him and pin him down. Um, yeah. uh, but <laughs> I'm sure we'll sort of, uh, I'm sure we'll come up with something. So... I'm going to say uh, thank you very much. Totally enjoyed talking. Um, uh, Me too. And, um, and looking forward to chatting again and here we can sort of get mm. to chat too. And thank you to everyone for listening. Um, uh, please, um, uh, please look out for our next podcast whenever it comes out. We're not quite sure about that, but we'll work on it. <laughs> um, and uh, also stay safe um uh, stay happy mm. look after people around you and take care of yourself so thanks for that thanks cameron thanks everyone we'll see you next time see you next time bye